No Snow Connection Podcast Network listeners. Welcome back inside the Wrestling Warzone, the Monday Wars podcast retrospective series. I am JT, and joining me as Eva is my partner, Chad. Chad, how are you? Pretty good. The Cider Boys are riding again tonight. That's right. Uh, just popped Just popped open a uh, peach mango, angry orchard. Oh, nice. Pretty delicious. Good. Pretty delicious. Yeah, I'm glad to have you in the Cider Boys officially. It's good. Yeah. I, I feel like I was Cider Boys before the Cider Boys. I've been Cider oh, Boys yeah. for a while. I didn't know that was a thing. Yeah, yeah. I think you're I a ten-year Cider uh, Man over here. Uncle Cletus brought you in. <laughs> Moonshine and cider. <laughs> That's what I live off of. <laughs> cider. The cider on the on the tap is the best. The, on the keg, it's better. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It is beautiful. Better than the bottle. Uh, anything going on, or you want to jump right into that? No, no. Pretty pretty low key tonight, so um, not not the most exciting shows. <laughs> wow, I mean one was one was a snore, but we'll get into that. So hoping hoping the cider boys ride me out. Anything uh, going on in your neck of the woods? No, no, not too much. We had the uh, the championship celebration party today for the softball team, yeah. so that was fun. I paid <laughs> off my Chick Fil A bet. Uh, I bought bought uh, two hundred chicken nuggets and 25 orders of fries so that was nice it's bread for them and uh, it was a good time we were there for a while and the girls all had a blast so i gave some uh, awards out to each of the kids every kick of the little certificate kind of best this best that so peach peach milkshakes are back at chick-fil-a oh are they delicious i haven't i hadn't had it in a while before today um they're trying to try to kick the the fast food habit so. <laughs> yeah I mean, I always say, so this, yeah, I mean, this is what I say about Chick-fil-A. I mean, like, I don't know. It's so, like, habit here. Like, people, if, if I don't have it once a week, it's a surprise just because, like, that's something right. the kids eat. But, um, like, I understand, like, it's, it's weird that it's kind of become a little bit more commonplace. And I always get a little, like, all right, like, I don't think it's going to be the best chicken sandwich it's ever going to be. But I always find it pretty consistent. Like, it's a uh, very high four. Which for fast food is pretty good. Like, you know, it's usually like a seven or eight out of ten. It's, right. it's very rare it's a ten out of ten, but it's also very rare it's like a five out of ten. Which no, other it's always is, right. Yeah. It's always rock it's solid. A, I'd put it behind Zaxby's for sure. Uh, but I can't get Zaxby's here. So I live off the Chick-fil-A. If I need to have it, that's the one I'll get. And uh yeah, the spicy chicken's the best. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like the spicy chicken biscuit. It's become mm-hmm. my favorite with the pepper jack cheese. Very good. Hmm. I'm not a big cheese on chicken guy. I uh, am a pretty uh, staunch chicken and cheese biscuit guy, but I never get it on the regular sandwich. Right, right. Just only on the biscuit. So, okay. I don't know. All right, well, listen, it's late before I get hungry again. Let's... uh. <laughs> Dive I did, in. <laughs> I did uh, uh, real quickly. I did have like a little bit of a rage order uh, last night at about. Oh yeah, the softball game. I got back in about like nine thirty. I was like, ah, you know what would be good would be a Dairy Queen Blizzard. So I looked <laughs> it up online and uh, googled. Said they closed at ten. Got in the car. It's about a ten minute drive. Drove over there. Got there. It didn't look promising, but I pulled in. Uh, pulled into the drive-thru. They were like, sorry, sir, we're closed. It was like 9.40. I was 
was like, well, what time do y'all close? Because the website says 10. Right. And they were like, uh, 9.30? I was like, yeah, I don't know about that. <laughs> I didn't sound too confident there. So <laughs> right. I think they, uh, I think they pulled the plug a little early. So I was disappointed and uh, ended up going. I don't think you've ever probably eat this uh, cookout. I've that? never had that. No, I have not. Yeah. Uh, I did. I did pass a bunch when we drove to Florida last year, but I was never. Yeah. Up. And I, I know I've heard good things, mainly through some wrestling Twitter members that uh, always talk about it. <laughs> well, yeah. Uh, I mean, it's okay. I, I actually don't like the food there that much, but I had a caramel fudge milkshake that was the spot. About... Well, you, need a, you didn't plus <laughs> Right. Right. It was close. I was pretty pissed at Derek Queen. <laughs> You went, you went more Tim Capel than, uh, than Kempatera. <laughs> correct, correct. Just order shit on the food rather than destroy the window. I did, I did order a side of onion rings when I wasn't intending to, so I, I got that in as well. Okay. All right. Well, uh, speaking of, I don't know, binging bad stuff, that's what we do here on the show as well. Uh, we're going to start with the October 7th, starting a new month, 1996 episode of Monday Night Raw. We are still in Hershey Park, still yep. in the fallout of Mind Games, and are uh, r- 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 rapidly moving toward Buried Alive, which is coming in just a few weeks here. So we open with Todd Petgill narrating highlights of Vader defeating Shawn Michaels clean last week in the tag match. Vader will be here tonight, and he wants the world title. Also, we'll have Sid taking on Goldust. <laughs> And uh, more from Jesse James, the real Double J, will be with us tonight. Yeah. We get our opening animation. Kevin Kelly and the King open up, and they say they don't know where Jim Ross is. He's supposed to be here, but he's not. But uh, two of our three new fall season commentators are here. Set up our opening match, and that is Mark Merrow taking on Diesel. Of course, this is the in-ring debut, uh, first match for Diesel. Mero and Sable head out. They got their new IC Golden Toe that Mero won a week ago. Uh, maybe a little bit of confidence. Uh, I'm sorry, two weeks ago. And maybe some confidence as well. He's maybe building a hot streak here. Diesel saunters out. He's got JR with him. He's talking him up. So maybe the steps are happening to make him a manager. We've talked about it a bit. You know, what more can he do? Uh, he heads over to the commentary booth. Diesel gets in the ring. JR says they're talking business. He lost track of time. This is a non-title match. Diesel's all over Mero to get going. He hurts, hurdles uh, big elbows at him. Mero fends Diesel off on those and knocks him outside of the dropkick. He meets him with a plancha. Mero comes back in with a slingshot splash of two. Diesel battles back and press slams Mero across the top rope. Kevin says that ODF is investigating Jim Ross. JR says he's got nothing to hide. It's a waste of money. King compares him to Clinton and Whitewater. Diesel levels Mero with a boot. JR said it's not an outsider deal. It's an insider one. He wants a competitive environment for ODF, and he's just trying to do good business. Diesel works hard on Mero as King says he heard gorillas trying to avoid the contracts of Razor and Diesel. Razor joins us from backstage and does a terrible Razor accent. It's brutal. Oh. He says he's coming out for a closer <laughs> look. Diesel pounds some more, but Mero gets a roll up for two. And uh, Diesel mows him back down. Mero dodges an elbow drop as JR says he doesn't think Sable's really much of an asset at ringside. Razor shows up as Mero gets a flurry of offense and clotheslines Diesel outside. He flies into Razor with a somersault plancha. JR calls it a mistake that he attacked Razor. Mero works over Diesel some more, but Razor comes in to draw the DQ. Uh, they beat him up and leave him laid out. I, I mean, I thought this was solid. Like, Diesel has more to offer than Ramon. I think that's obvious uh, in the ring. But the gimmick's just going nowhere. Like, they should just get him out of this if they want to see him do anything. 
Merrill looked good again, continues to be more consistent. But again, this is all about Razor and Diesel establishing themselves as a tough unit, trying to assert their power, and Jim Ross getting them into key positions on the card. So a game, the gentleman's two and a half. Uh, I thought it was fine. It, it, you know, a lot of time and commentary spent on the Jim Ross stuff anyway. And it was it was kind of a long match, too. So whatever. It's kind of there. I was flabbergasted when I opened up the spread. Come on. I saw that you had two and a half for this. This was terrible. I, I went 1.5 and thought it was being generous there because I did like Ross on commentary, even though, again, it, it's going nowhere. Uh, I mean, I in not the, not the best week in uh, in real life for old Diesel, so I'm trying not to uh, let that jade me. I mean, well, we'll hear. I mean, I'm gonna praise also a uh, not great human on the main event of Monday Nitro coming up, so I try not to let that jade me uh, in ring. But yeah, I mean, Ross comes out with him, so I guess they're moving more towards a manager, but it still feels pretty aimless and directionless. Um. I think it's just a overall. I think this whole thing, like we talked about, also is kind of a victim of just their taping structure, right? Because like they took they taped four weeks in a row. Uh, obviously, I mean they knew it wasn't working at all, <laughs> right? But yeah. it's like, well, you've devoted four weeks to this. It is in one market, like one quote unquote test market, but mm-hmm. you pull the plug, or it's it's a weird situation that they have with that, but. I just don't think this would be successful. Um, it, it seems petty. They don't have much of a plan. Uh, but it, as far as the actual winning ring work here, I thought it was pretty sloppy. Um, like Diesel, Yankel, Glenn Jacobs, whatever. He He's had some okay to decent Raw matches that we've seen, but I, I thought here he didn't mesh very well with... Um, with Mero, he had an ugly boot at one point. Mero does that kind of uh, hope spot roll up where he hooks Diesel's arms and rolls him up, and that that looks sloppy. Uh, and then uh, the match goes through a break with Diesel in control. You mentioned the Razor promo; that was just absolutely awful. Like, I mean, the the oh, yeah. dirt worse uh, Razor Ramon accent, Cuban accent, whatever. Uh, terrible. Uh, Kevin Kelly did get in a, uh, a little bit of a veiled shot saying that he thought this diesel was more impressive physically than he remembered. <laughs> so he did say that. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, just like we said, crowd heat sucked. Uh, big slam by diesel. He misses the elbow drop, razors out at ringside. Marrow gets the head scissors, clothesline, sends diesel to the floor. Somersault planche does on razor, looks good. And then razor gets in for the DQ. A diesel out towards hit the jackknife power bomb again. Again, I thought this was a weird, weird kind of a weird finish. I mean, kind of a weird match to book, to be honest. Like you just had Marrow win the icy belt. Mm-hmm. I guess you, I guess you can say everybody here was kind of protected because it wasn't a clean finish. But right, this was one of those kind of DQ finishes. I don't think anybody ended up looking too strong in because it's like, well, Marrow's taking a lot of offense versus his phony. Uh, on commentary, they're talking about how impressive these guys is, and Ross, you know, whether you're supposed to think he's delusional or not, it's a little bit up for debate, but he's yammering on about how competitive he's wanting to make the WWF and everything. It's just, like we talked about, it's bizarre. I'm ready to move on for a minute. Um, kind of over it at this point, so starting to have didn't like it much at all. Yeah, and it's like, I mean, they could have just used 
it was just too quick, I think, but Diesel in the spot because I know he was around as Isaac Yankum, right? So it's not like he's yeah. like super green, but it just feels like a lot to throw him out in this gimmick in this match on his first taping. And to your point, like it's kind of mm-hmm. already not working. And are we going to try and make Mero look strong? And if we are, then just give him someone else and give Diesel someone else. There's plenty of dudes you can feed to Diesel here. Um, I, I think what they're trying to play up is that Ross is getting them in advantageous places, you know, out of the gate. Like he's already got Diesel a title shot and uh, other stuff. But I, I think they could have easily done like Diesel and the pug, right? <laughs> Something just said Diesel yeah. hold him down and look Spray impressive. Joe Floyd. Yeah. Right. Just make them look right. impressive, right. you know? Like you have guys that. And those guys are good wrestlers, like good little workers, like Porto and Freddie Joe, Tracy Smothers. Like mm-hmm. they'll make him look good and just even drag friggin' the corpse of Bob Holly out there, whatever. Like you, know, you have guys that, yep. that he could beat on and and sell for him instead of putting your brand new IC champion in this spot. Um, <clears throat> you know, we'll see how long it lasts. Like I know they're around at least until January, but I don't know. We'll see when it turns from. Ross being involved and then being presented as players to just like being dudes on the roster. Uh, I'm, I'm, I right. think it's like a year, end of year ish, but we'll see. Like, I don't think they're done after this taping. I'll put it that way as like being presented okay. as threats. So, yeah, I'm interested to see because I don't remember much like in the bridge between this and Survivor Series. Right. Uh, so I'm interested to see how they get presented because I mean, this, this is die to death. And again, right. like it's just in front of one, one audience. But whew, I mean, you could tell like it was no heat on this match. So. Right. Nothing. All right. We see the Undertaker is still digging that grave. Issues another warning to mankind <laughs> to pull a bearer. I don't know if we're gonna see these guys honestly. In this. I think they're like maxed out in the arena building to this show. It feels like they're just gonna do these vignettes and know that the huge this point is. Uh, yeah. With this is two pay-per-views in a row that I don't I don't think the buried alive uh, obviously the main event like from an in-ring standpoint it's not remembered as fondly as mind games right but it's still remembered so this is like two pay-per-views in a row with somebody like Foley that you typically think is like so great at the builds and mm-hmm. they just hadn't done a lot for him. Um, To me, it's interesting in this regard, like this feud, because I understand they've been feuding forever, but we still haven't gotten a whole lot from since Bear turned on uh, Taker. And and maybe they thought like the big heat was Taker coming out of the casket at the pay-per-view. And that was like the pull apart brawl they needed to to tide them over to Buried Alive. But. Yeah, I mean it's it's this is this is one of those this is one of those builds where it's like if you get like a because I had like a four disc Mankind versus Undertaker compilation mm-hmm. and uh, you know when you watch the vignettes all together it's like oh yeah nah, no problem I mean you know it's not offensive right. what they're doing with this graveyard stuff but when you watch it the TV and you think wow like this is a four week gap and they're devoting this as the main event. And there's not a whole lot else on this pay-per-view besides Sid versus Vader. Because um, even like I, I, it sounded like last week, the perfect thing may be on this pay-per-view. But now they say it's two weeks on Raw. So right. um, it's a little bizarre. Yeah. 
Yeah, I, I guess I get a little bit more for this than the Sean one. I think the Sean one needed more build yeah. than we got. This one, you can at least say, well, they have been feuding since April. Like, yeah. it's in place. Like, I mean, they can sell it through talking and be okay. Like, are you really going to do another beatdown, another attack? Whatever. Yeah, I would like, I would probably like one more blood angle. I mean, I agree. Like, the Sean stuff was just terrible. But That was the one that needed it, yeah. Yeah, this is just sort of like they're on autopilot. I think till the actual show. So, all right, back to the ring we go. And then, they, and then yeah. real quick, and I can't wait to see after the buried alive, like how we then get to. That's another one, like right, how right. we get the Survivor Series because they fight yes. again. Like it's like, oh my yes. god, okay, but we'll see. Yeah, that's like the. Oh, I don't want to call it forgotten one, but it's kind of the one that just kind of tagged on at the end of the year. So yeah. Because yeah, we'll we feel really tapped now. Like, it feels right. like, I mean, after Buried Alive, all logic would think that right, that know, should these be the guys, yeah. yeah, these guys are not going to be you know, touching each other for a long time, six months right. minimum. Right. So well, we'll see. Yeah, I mean, the question is, I, well, I guess they wanted to sell this pay-per-view. Like, could you have just saved it for Survivor Series and the Buried Alive there, right? You know, um, but I guess they wanted yeah. this as a marquee to, to sell, build the whole pay-per-view around it. Yeah, it's October. Um, that too, yeah. I mean, I I think they just seem well. I mean, this is the first. This will be the first pay per view that Sean doesn't wrestle on, right? Yeah. Yes. Like on the pay per view, right? So, yeah, it's it's a it's weird. All right, back to the ring we go. Is the new rockers are here? First time in a while, taking on the smoking guns. <laughs> yeah. We see uh, Sid backstage. He's prepping for his match. He warns Goldust for later. During the break, we get the ad for the denim shirts with the spray paints of Bret Hart, The Undertaker, and Shawn Michaels. Just $49 plus $7 shipping and handling. So, you interested in these? Those are pretty uh, gaudy. And mm-hmm. uh, I don't think worth the uh, $57 all-in price tag they had on them. 56 so not too bad uh also get a quick quick hype video from mr perfect their merchandise is really lacking like we can say that yes it's glaring but yeah this is a lot of this stuff here mm-hmm. um all right uh jr says perfect is back in two weeks against hunter helmsley yep. he calls it like michael jordan coming back which of course that happened <laughs> uh we then see a smoking guns inset promo where billy says they'll get sunny back after winning the titles but bart says we gotta focus sunny calls in on the phone and says both guns love her and if they win the belt she may just come back to them jr hypes up live wire says ahmed johnson will be in studio soon and sunny is shocked she wants extra security of course because she was aligned with rook when that occurred and then plugs all the ways you can reach her on the show Billy and Leaf Cassidy start off with a stalemate until Billy lands a punch and takes over. Slow start is sunny. He hasn't taken a breath. Just hyping live wire. Bart and Marty tag in, and they have back and forth as well. JR thinks the guns are better without Sonny. JR thinks Billy's in love with Sonny and says the only person that Sonny's in love with, or the only person that loves themselves more than Sonny is Vince McMahon. Kevin yeah. says JR hung up on Vince on live wire, and JR tells Kevin to kiss up some more. He says he already took his job on Raw. And King talks about JR's <laughs> VP job and non-negotiable long-term contract. The match is whatever. The Rockers work over Bart with some basic offense. All the commentaries focus on JR and his issues. Kevin reveals King to have to face Jake Roberts next week. Leaf gets a nice urinagi and tags Marty. As King says, there's a big rumor that Jake is off the wagon and he's not going to show up. The Rockers continue to double-team and control Bart as King starts in on the Jake jokes. 
Billy goes to the kidneys from the apron and then tags in and works over Marty. Bart tags right back in. They botch a whip, but Billy hits a springboard forearm. Billy misses a charge and flies to the floor. It ends up tripping Leaf, and Bart cracks him with a forearm, and the guns finish him with the sidewinder. Again, I this is a fine tag, proficient, but the crowd is just asleep at this point. We've talked about it endlessly. This taping cycle stuff is brutal for these live crowds. The atmosphere completely dead. Overall, Raw just needs to be freshened up, especially deep into the tapings. Uh, I, I don't know why, even at this point, they couldn't just go to, like, bi-weekly and just do... Even if you want to do a live and a tape, live and a tape would be better than this, which is where they end up in 97 for a while. But uh, the guns are, are ready for their big tag title rematch against Bulldog and Owen at, in your house. And uh, two and a half for me on this match. Okay, I went two here. It's fine. Uh, Sunny on the call. Awful connection. Sounded like she was in the roof with Ryan Gray when he uh, recorded <laughs> that one for no so. Just, uh, I don't know. Like, it was terrible. Um, yeah, I mean, she doesn't say much, is what it is. I think they're just trying to keep her, you know, her name out there. Um, just a weird match. I mean, <laughs> I mean, both are heels. Um, so the structure. Is a little weird where Bart gets worked over for a while, uh, which I thought was a strange choice. Uh, and then Marty gets worked over for a bit, which I guess is better. But uh, neither one was too inspiring. Like you said, the crowd didn't care either way. Uh, the Rockers tricking Bart on the outside to take over, I thought was uh, strange. Because, I mean, this is the problem with the Rockers. The new Rockers, like... And and it's it's the same kind of thing we talked about with the body donnas. Like they're capable in ring, but they're just saddled with this gimmick where it's like, all right, are they aloof? Because that's what they do. Like like that's kind of how they present them, that they're like these aloof losers, but now they're outsmarting Bart on the outside to take over. So there's there's a disconnect there. And it just either way it just sucks. Like it's a lame gimmick. Right. Either right. way. Uh the belly to belly suplex by Leaf look good. Uh, double hip toss by the Rockers look good. Like, again, their actual in-ring work, I don't have much problem with. It's just the execution, the whole presentation. Mm-hmm. Uh, once uh, Billy starts pounding away with Marty facing peril, uh, he misses a big charge, spills to the floor, and then you get the, sh- the kind of schmize finish like you talked about where the sidewinder wins it for the guns. Yeah, I mean, just this, this, this felt like a filler match. Honestly, kind of felt like a fourth hour in the taping raw match. Yep. Uh, not much going on. Two stars. Yeah, this is what it is. This is we're seeing the pattern that the first episode of these tapings is hot uh, and it feels lively, and then from there it's just like a slow march into snoozing. It's a lot for those live crowds to sit through too, especially when you don't have a ton of engaging acts. And yeah, we talked about mankind to take or not being here. We didn't talk about it from that perspective though, right? Like right. they're two of the most engaging, exciting acts to see live, and we don't have them here. Uh Sean hasn't been on a lot. I get well, I guess he was on last week, but um yeah, it's just I, I don't know. They're just missing they're just missing that pizzazz. And when you're taping four hours worth of TV in a night, it's a long haul. So um Yeah, I mean we'll see if we we get a Taker signing. I don't think we will, but we'll see next no, week. No, I don't think do. so. Yeah. Okay, so that's a taping where you had no Taker. You mm-hmm. did have Sean, but again, then Brett's out too. Yeah. So again, it's from a from a I guess a star 
standpoint, and even if you want to throw an Ahmed as somebody like on the rise, like I don't know. I love Sid, but <laughs> when when he's your kind of second, right? He's the guy, yeah. In the taping, yeah, it's uh, it's a little dicey. All right. Also, Dicey is Todd Petgill, who files our weekly Double J report. We see uh, Double J sick by babies tonight with Jim Johnson. And Todd says they're the duo that deserves all the credit for this hit song, not Jeff Jarrett. Todd reminds us that Jarrett's whole music career was a hoax. It's been 15 months since Jarrett slithered away. But behind the scenes questions have been ongoing for a year. It took 15 months for the WF officials to get to the bottom of the scandal, but they did. James says he's here. It says him and Johnston are ready to tell their story. James says he doesn't hate Jarrett. Took him further than anyone, but James took him further too. It wasn't just all Jarrett. Jarrett's not the world's greatest entertainer. He's not even good. That's just him being honest. James thinks he can do these things thanks to God's talent. You can't buy voice and rhythm. James says Double J was on top of the world after the concert before he lost to Michaels and then recaps the end of the match. We get clips and James offers Double J to help tote his bags now uh, or for Double J to, to tote James's bags. So just kind of gets a little chuckle in there. The way they presented this, you would think him and Johnson were going to be a tag team <laughs> to talk about it. <laughs> we're here to tell our side of the story. Um, anyway, yeah, this is it's it's hard to get energized by this, but yeah, I mean, I'm I'm done with Diesel and Razor, but that has Ross at least spitting some vile mm-hmm. um, at somebody. I I'm really done with this. Like this can go for sure, because this I don't see any way how this serves any part. I mean, it serves one purpose to be petty and to bury Jarrett, who they. I mean, by the time they aired this vignette, he'd already debuted on the other show. So, I mean, they knew that was coming at some point. But, I mean, yeah, like saying they've been investigating it for 15 months. Like, what, what, <laughs> how, how, I mean, how was James in hiding? Like, made? they couldn't figure it out? I mean, yeah. yeah, I mean, like, what, like what's going on here? It took 15 months when, when they presented the prior week, like, oh, look how obvious it is on this clip that he's lip syncing. So, I mean, Complete incompetency. Uh, Jesse and Johnston, like you said, them being bros. I mean, uh, that came out of nowhere. And a rare Jim Johnston sighting, by the way, on camera. Um, so, yes, that's cool. And then, I mean, Jesse James's promo, he kind of contradicts himself. He calls Jared. He says, I don't think he's a good uh, entertainer. He can't dance, he can't sing. And then this is my favorite line. He said, not saying that I can. But I think I can. It's like, wait a minute. Like, <laughs> That's with confidence. It's like, not saying I'm rich, but I got a lot of money in the bank. It's like, what, what are you talking about? Like, you just said you can. So, but yeah, uh, just uh, a, a really weird re-debut of a character mm-hmm. because there's no, there's no angle. Like, who's he going to be feuding with? Right. And And we still get these expose like we're in the third week of this so mm-hmm. enough of this like i definitely well again this, this is the again. problem with this freaking taping cycle stuff because you can't debut them sooner well i mean i guess you could that they would have had a like had it prepared and then it shows up in the fourth week yeah i guess like they did yeah. that but um they can't capitalize as easily if they didn't have them there and did it right they can't just make a plan and execute it on the fly yeah as easily as they could I mean, otherwise it's, it's a problem but it's it's yeah the investigation thing is goofy because even if you want to argue like James felt he owed Jared and didn't want to come forward till now right like you could say 
just say it that way. But why would Johnson stay quiet? Like, unless he got paid off, like, you know, it's, it's so stupid. Like, what would you think that Johnson would have just revealed it? Like, why wouldn't he admit if he didn't want? The yeah, title? there's a lot of loose ends here. That is true. I mean, so like this, this kind of third party obviously recorded the song with Jesse James. And yeah, he just like sits on his hands for 15 months or yeah, dumb. Overall, very dumb. Yeah, I, I don't know. Uh, they should they should have at least said like maybe Jared paid them off, you know, like oh yeah. well Jared paid us and so we couldn't talk for a year. It was like an NDA or something like that, right? Yeah, you could you could do that. You could say like Jared. You know, like I'd exposed Jared and he'd been in hiding, but he right. he promised to come back and make things right. Now I know that's not going to happen. I mean, you're already, you know, I mean, at this point, you might as well just say, like, he's on the other show. So, I mean, because you're doing. Well, it yeah, you say, oh, the NDA voided because he signed elsewhere. You know, something yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah. Even say, like, you know. JR thing. Like, JR told me not to say anything and he would give me a spot. You know, whatever. Right. I mean, but now that Jared you know, paid up or, you know, didn't pay up or something like that. I mean, they're making it sound like this was like Watergate, you know, like it was very they, thorough they, investigation. It out. Or at least just say it came to our attention last month that something was fishy. So we started to dig in a month ago. <laughs> like, so you can even say something like that. Like they didn't care enough a year ago to look into it. Don't say you've been studying it for 15 months and then now figure it practically. <laughs> ridiculous. I mean, and cracking know, the case is literally like Jesse James coming forward, the person that <laughs> saw John, it. Like, they yeah, they didn't even figure it out. Like this guy's finally coming clean, so they did nothing. And Chris Cole found his keys quicker than this investigation. <laughs> <laughs> Ridiculous. All right. Um, all right, let's move on. Uh, Goldust <laughs> of Marlena backstage, they issue a warning uh, to Sid. They quote the movie Psycho. We then uh, get quick highlights from uh, Vince appearance on Livewire. Oh, boy. Have Ooh. you ever seen this one? Uh, I did it a long time ago. I wanted to look at it today. I'm guessing it's on YouTube, but uh, I, I, I do want to watch it in full again because it uh, seemed like he was feeling it <laughs> based on the clips. Yeah, this is uh he was active in this little time period. He did that AOL chat. I think we talked about it back in like April yeah. or May, whatever it was. He did the Raw magazine interview that was around, I think, this time. It was because it was right after Diesel and, and uh Razor left that he did that in the Raw magazine. So he's been, he's now, been pretty active. Uh so this isn't is this the one Heyman calls in is what's yeah, his face from Connecticut? Bruce or, Bruce from okay. Connecticut. Yeah, he does. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yep. All right. Yeah, because I yeah, think Styles even uh, mentioned it on ECW TV around this time. He says uh, Bruce from Connecticut or something called in. Okay. Monsoon Classic has it on YouTube. Looks like he does another stop November 9th. So. Okay. He was he was working the live wire beat around this time. <laughs> uh, uh, all right. So uh, JR's in the ring. He brings out Vader and Jim Cornette. JR reminds us Vader beat Sean clean last week. JR says Vader faces Sean, uh, Sid in your house. The winner will face Shawn Michaels at Survivor Series. Jim Cornette's pissed that Vader doesn't just get a title shot, even though he's beaten Sean multiple times. Says the company protects Michaels to protect their merchandising. Cornette says Sid will be buried in hell at in your house, and Vader will take him out with a powerbomb, the move that Sid has stolen from him, and then will go right to his rightful place to become 
champion. I, I know this is a solid promo from Cornette. Uh, I like the idea of this match. I, I do see his point. I think Vader yeah. has, like, you know, he kind of got fucked over at SummerSlam. We talked about that. He's beaten Sean multiple times clean. Like, I don't know what more you need to earn this title shot. I think we need more of a reason for Sid to get the chance. We haven't gotten any explanation. So why not have Sid attack, like, again, I feel like we're rebooking this stuff. <laughs> it should have been simple. But, yep. like, Cornette's in the ring. Sid comes in and, and chokes him and threatens to break his neck if he doesn't put the title match up on the line against him. It's something like that, right? Like, like, give us a reason why Sid earns this title match because he's done nothing to earn it to this point. And Vader's done everything to earn it. And now suddenly Vader's going to be said to get the title match. Like, it, just, it didn't really make sense. Yeah, they could have done, like, actually the pull part they do at the end of the show, this show could have set up, like, all right, well, they're facing all. Right. Because then at least, like, they have a vendetta against each other. But yeah, I mean, you know, he'll make good points but this is a point where you completely agree with Cornette because I just looked at Sid on cage match and yeah the last time I saw him on Raw was when he uh was in that battle royal thing which I talked about how annoying that was right and then he he was on a superstars where he squashed Leon Downs uh another superstars where he defeats marty Janetti. let me see if that had even aired by this time yeah that had aired by this time but i mean yeah that's that's sid's two matches between the last time we saw him right and that nothing they yeah that's what they deemed was good enough to put him in this number one contenders match versus vader who (laughs) <laughs> kind of got screwed at the big pay-per-view mm-hmm. it's pinned sean on pay-per-view and pinned him last week so that i mean the, the promoing of itself was fine but the uh direction kind of again i mean to me it just it's weird like they really made gorilla monsoon wwf management in this episode look really incompetent and really yes. dumb because there's multiple decisions that have been made that just do not pass the uh, smell test mm-hmm all right, we get an ad hyping WF taking over New York City on November 16th for the Hall of Fame and November 17th for Survivor Series, the big return to the Big Apple. And of course, as we talked about every other Thursday here, we cover ECW on Extreme Three-Way Dance. And that same weekend on the Friday night was November to Remember, um, or Saturday, I forget which night it was, Saturday night, November to Remember. So that's a, a really big weekend in wrestling history. Yeah. Three events there. It's a cool weekend. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, next match is a big one. As Aldo Montoya <laughs> takes on the Sultan. Bob Backlund, I and Sheik lead out the Sultan. I will say, the Sultan's theme is a banger. It's a great song. Yeah, It's the best part about him, uh, besides Backlund. This, again, we <laughs> every week we get a, a classic raw moment in my childhood. Uh, this Bob Backlund commentary <laughs> is near the top of the list for me of all time. I've mentioned my buddy Jim, who we've quoted all the Backlund, all the Austin stuff, and this is right up there as well, this whole thing. Uh, so immediately Backlund starts ranting at the fans and tells them not to kaboove him <laughs> as he's sitting <laughs> down, the plebeians. You will not kaboove me. Uh, a rare Aldo appearance. We haven't really seen much of him, honestly. Uh, Sultan throws yeah. him down right off the bell. <laughs> Backlund is wearing sunglasses uh, and says, I can't hear without my glasses on. As uh, 
so he puts him on. And then he rants about Sultan winning the title. He shouts down Ross, just a train wreck of a human right now. Uh, Backlund demands the camera not to look at him. <laughs> Don't look at me. The Sultan is wrecking Aldo. Don't kaboove me. <laughs> Classic stuff. I love him so much. Oh, I love that man. Um, <laughs> King says, <laughs> this might be the best one. King says, Backlund's future is bright, and that's where he wears sunglasses at night. <laughs> Bob takes a beat and goes, That's not why! <laughs> and then he doesn't say anything else about it. Oh my God. Uh, <laughs> says it. It's the pause that kills me. It's like you really had to think of an answer. That is not why. It's obviously King just trying to be fucking pithy. Uh, says the WF makes him wear them because he scrutinizes their fans and tells them not to take drugs. But he can flip them up, which he does. He flips the sunglasses up mm-hmm. and can stare the fans in the face and tell them they're weak. The match is boring as shit, but Backlund's just in goat mode here. <laughs> Uh, also takes a nasty bump in the corner. Sultan finishes a German in a camel clutch as Kevin calls Sultan some kind of monster. JR claims he has recruited inside at least a dozen talents in the WF. As Sultan beats up Aldo after, uh, Backlund sits and then he looks like he's having an orgasm or inside his eyes are like rolling up and he's just like sitting there. I don't know what he's doing. And then he snaps out of it. Just whatever. One star. Backlund. Backlund is, is epic. Uh, this is fantastic stuff. This is this is the stuff dreams are made of. <laughs> I, yeah. I, did, I didn't remember this, but this was a force of nature. I would have started half. I don't know. I mean, how do you rate this? The match sucked, but Backlund was just completely so maniacal on commentary that it is hilarious and, like, must see. I'm glad um, you like it. I, well, I mean, I... I haven't liked the other stuff. I don't, right. This this was like completely dialed up to ten. Like mm-hmm. he'd been just kind of weird before. This this was like a whole nother level. Yeah. Um, and I did think he actually had more like genuinely funny lines. Like saying "I can't hear till I put my glasses on" is hilarious. One time King calls him Bob, and he's like, "That's Mister Backlund." <laughs> like yells at him. It's, you know. <laughs> that is um, not. It's, it, yeah, it's it's weird that uh like Iron Cheek, who you know based on Twitter's like such a lunatic too. He's just like out there waving the flag, like he ain't doing nothing. Um, it, this is all backlund from a personality standpoint. Sultan sucks, like sucks in this gimmick. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, there's no hope. Just he's in the race. He just double J. Yeah. Bucket, just he does, he doesn't do nothing. I mean, he all he does is back rate, lame offense, clawing away. I mean, Aldo is. I mean, Aldo's cooked too, but just uh, they would have been better off just leaving him a spot too. I mean, honestly, yeah, like why are we? See. You know, at least at least he did stuff. A spot too. When was the last time we saw Aldo? That's got to be a minute. Oh uh, shit. The Rumble? <laughs> when did Joe? When did he fight King? No, that would have been the year before King. No, didn't he fight King during the Jake stuff? The Jake build? Or was that on Superstars? 
That would have been on Superstars. Where Jake, like, remember, King oh, Ford actually watched him versus Jake. Yeah, eight five raw, so it's been less than I thought. Yeah, yeah, he was on the eight five raw. Yeah, King yeah. Ford the booze down his throat. He didn't look great. No. Yep. Okay. So that's he. Every one of his matches are kind of like there's something else going on. He's an afterthought. Right. Yep. So, yeah, start a half. But, uh, I mean, entertaining. Like, this is one of those, like, on my spreadsheet now, anything that I'm not <laughs> ranking uh, right. three stars is, like, you need to watch it from a match quality standpoint. Or if something is joined in progress and I don't feel good ranking, ranking it, I'm uh, highlighting it purple. Is like, oh, it's still worth watching. So, this got the purple uh, <laughs> on my spreadsheet. I was worried yeah. you were going to shit on it again, but I'm glad you liked no, it. It's I mean, still my favorite back. We'll see. Ever. If he can keep, like, if he can keep this temperament, which I don't know if he can, because I think he may combust. Right. Um, like, he was absolutely out of control here. Oh, so um, good. But uh, this this was completely on a, on a, on a 10 level uh, commentary. Yeah. Are you trying to kaboove me? Yeah, kaboove was a good one. It is a great theme, too. This is too bad the something sucks. He's got, like, the mouthpiece. He's got the music. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I don't think, like, as crazy as Backlund was, like, I don't know. I mean, that kind of worked for him in 94, but even then he wasn't, like, this crazy. Right. Um. I mean, I don't think, like, you could legitimately have. I mean, the first time they saw the Sultan, they said he was going to be a world champion. Like, I don't, I don't necessarily know if you can have a serious threat. With somebody being this out of control, it's like it's uh, not I don't know. But right. again, you gotta like, it's the pieces are here that it's not presenting them like sharply or putting the time in. Like instead of him wearing the stupid mask with the you know looking like a you know bad Aladdin from like Disney walking around or something, mm-hmm. like whatever to shave Fatu's head and put like. You don't need that face piece on. Like, don't call him the Sultan. Just give him, like, a different name. Put Backlund and Sheik with him. And have him just be super vicious. And, like, Backlund's ranting at ringside while he's, like, destroying people. Like, he's a fine wrestler. It's doable. It's in there. We've seen him work before. It's, like, with the head shrinkers and stuff. We know he can do vicious squash matches. He's, that was, like, the head yeah. shrinkers forte. So just have him freaking come out there as, like, a madman and destroy people. And just do it. Even to say he's Fatu. Who gives a shit? Say... Like, Backlund convinced him to go back to his way, like, savage ways or whatever. And you don't have to go right. full savage, but just have him be, like, a maniac in the ring. Like, they did with Umaga eventually, right? Where he's just, like, a, a mauler. And just have Backlund ranting like a madman at ringside. He's, like, this, he's like a, a supervillain. This has gone crazy, you know? Like, they, like, again, it could work, but they just still err toward these stupid gimmicks that are just shoehorning people into a, a failure out of the gate. Like, with this look and that name, he was never going to go anywhere. Yeah, and that's worse than anything else about him. Yeah, true. So it's not why. All right, main event time. <laughs> Sid takes on Goldust. Jr. says Goldust told him he's not happy. Razor Ramon is back. <laughs> I mean, that just felt like him being a dick to be a dick. You know, like, <laughs> <laughs> we see Razor watching backstage. Jr. explains the buried alive concept. King said he would never sign on a match like that. We get the PlayStation Slam of the Week. It's a vintage Perfect Plex montage to hype up Mr. Perfect's return. We get a big pop for Sid, who's the most overdue in the promotion right now, I think. Maybe, you know, besides Undertaker. 
He's shredded. He's massive. JR says, he'll be a buried alive. He knows Vince will assign himself play-by-play duties, of course. So JR will be in the color role. Goldust attacks at the bell. He takes control of strikes. He shimmies. Uh, but it costs him as Sid is able to clothesline him hard. Then he lines up the choke slam. He switches to a power bomb. But Goldust bails to the floor. Shawn Michaels calls in to talk about buried alive. He has no preference. He says both guys are monsters. Goldust hangs Sid across the top rope and chokes at him. King talks to both guys as major threats. Just basic stuff from Sean, who uh, talks about his match with Stone Cold Steve Austin next week. So, nestled mm. deep in this taping will be Shawn Michaels versus Steve Austin. Crazy match. Right? Just out there on this random October Raw. Yeah, very crazy. Goldust slugs away. He gets two on a power slam. But after a break, Sid starts to slug and chop back into control. He hits a choke slam and finishes clean with the power bomb. Jim Cornette comes in on commentary. He's ranting about the decision for Barrett Alive some more. And then Vader attacks. He levels Sid with a middle rope splash. But Sid just pops up and no-sells it. And they throw down until Sid choke slams him to set the tone for Barrett Alive. Match was just nothing. It's just Sid being built up as dominant. Goldust really feels like he's fading fast here. Mm-hmm. Uh, just an afterthought. Sid's on his mega rise. The post-match attack was good to add heat. I went a star and a half. And you think back to SummerSlam when they Goldust go over Merrill Clean. And then it's fed him to take her, and he's just really done nothing since. Yeah, I want to start a quarter here. I had the same notes. Like, I think this is the coldest Goldust has felt since he debuted. Um, Just, I mean, losing to Sid isn't, you know, terrible. And uh, hypothetically, it's kind of a gatekeeper before he faces Vader. But in this way, it was very, very, like, paint-by-numbers. I think this is, if you want to critique Goldust and Ring around this time, this is a good match to kind of present as that. Like, he does work the midsection, so I can see somebody like Will really harping on that he's focusing on the body part, but there's just not a lot of, like, gusto or uh, right. desperation with what he's doing. So, while it may be, like, technically, psychologically sound, it's it's not inspiring at all. Um, Sean on the phone was nothing either. Again, this was a Sean character I did not like. And again, like he's your world champion. So he's like, I was born in a world of trouble and that's where I'm staying. It's like, who cares? Like, fuck off. Like, it's so annoying. Like, it's like, oh, you know, I've done, done it this time. I, I just, I hate, I hate that. Um, yeah, not much, not really, not much to say. Like I kind of had a little bit of uh, higher expectations for this when they came out, but it was a pretty, pretty generic, uh, sleepy match. Marlena blows smoke in Sid's face, so that uh, mm-hmm. was a highlight. So, court, court, even Cornette on commentary, like he gets on commentary and then he's done. So that was that was even very brief and didn't serve much of a purpose. That wraps up our show. So a very uh, bizarre Raw, I guess. Like, it had some uh, enjoyable yeah. moments in there, but odd episode. Yeah, I'll, I'll make a note just on the end, too, with the pull apart. Like, I thought that was, you know, we talked about, like, hey, last week they presented Vader well. Again, like, here he begs mm-hmm. off from Sid, like, immediately. Yes, yes. So it's like, well, one step forward or two steps back. They just cannot figure these little things out. We keep talking about it, but it seems to stuck in neutral. Okay, uh, awards. (laughs) I went uh, controversially, Mero Diesel for match of the night. Yeah, I mean, I ended up going the Rockers versus the Guns. Really poor show in ring. Yeah, 
to me. Uh, best moment was Backlund on commentary, hands down. It was, uh, it was amazing. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. Uh, MVP, I, 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 mean, I don't know. Maybe I should just do Backlund. I gave it to Sid because he gets the title match. He crushed Goldust and left Vader laying. So if you're coming out of the show, he looked the strongest. Um, Backlund was my personal MVP, but I thought of the actual show where the head had Sid, Sid stood out. I, I went back when, I mean, booking-wise, I get the Sid shout, but, you know, Aaron may be coming for me. I don't think All Sid right, fuck it. I'm great on this I'm show. Changing yeah, I'm, I'm changing it. I'm changing it. I mean, if you <laughs> – I don't know if I remember is this specific one, but if I watch this episode again, the thing I'm on, like, once I realize this is the Backlund commentary show, I'm going to be like, okay, let's watch that. <laughs> right, That'd be right. the first thing I'd want to watch. Uh, any commentary lines? I think you mentioned most of them. Let me see here. Uh, yeah, you mentioned the only person that loves himself more than Sonny in the WWF is Vince McMahon. That was Ross. Uh, when they were talking about whether Jake was on or off the wagon, he says Jake pulled a Kelsey Grammer. That was Ross. Uh, I think he had like a DUI or something around that time. Uh, don't kaboom me. <laughs> I can't hear without my glasses on. Uh, just all the Bob's stuff. So, yeah. That's not why. Uh, no debuts, no dropped angles. And uh, four out of ten for me on this Raw. Yeah. I uh, had it at a four out of ten. As we talked about, I bumped it down. Three and a half out of ten. <laughs> I, I, I actually thought they were. Um, yeah, I wasn't necessarily like killing it, but they they'd had two solid shows in this taping cycle, and I thought mm-hmm. this was a pretty severe step back. So disappointing. I, I didn't see any like booking strides. Right. Um. Even even some even something minute, but like the fact that they put Austin versus Sean on uh, on this taping again, like okay, like. They're maybe handcuffed by the taping structure, mm-hmm. but it's like you got to have foresight. Like the taping structure is what it is right now. Right. So they should have known. Like, all right, like Austin is starting to gain some momentum. He's too hot to be in this match with the world champion right now. Like right. we don't need to do that. So right. It's just a bunch of mistakes. This yeah, this whole taping is riddled with them from Mero Diesel to the way they treat Vader here to that match. It's it's just a mess all over. Um, yeah. I mean, three and a half from you and four from me. It's probably, again, one of the lowest rated ones we've given in a bit. They've been hovering around here. Like that one going into mind games, we were both pretty down on. Actually, no, they had, I mean, I gave it three and a half September 9th. So it just feels like we, you know, we've been in this wave. Like last fall, 95 was pretty putrid. I feel like they've kind of ebbed up and down a bit. And we're just in this like down wave. And I'm confident in saying, like, I think we're in the final down wave, but we'll see. Um I know there's some lows in early 97 that drive the major change, but I think like it's at least more exciting overall, especially in the main event scene. We get some guys back, et cetera. So, uh, but I think, I, I think by Survivor Series, we're trending up. So I would be happy just with one taping that I, you know, I don't think we're at the point. It feels like we're a long way away from where we'll get to a role that I would consider great. Rating wise, like an eight seems like a heroic feat, but I would just like to have one taping where 
like the worst shows, maybe like a five out of ten. You know, right. like where at least like we're not having these shows that you know we're either boring or nonsensical or a combination of. I mean, you could make a case this was a combination of both because like right. the guns. The Guns Rockers match is boring and serves no storyline purpose. Mm-hmm. Sultan's not going anywhere, so that that was boring. Besides, back one just being bad shit. So I mean, it's it's just yeah. We we need to get the floor up. Like if we can get to a barometer right. of at their worst, they're still doing um, decent shows. Then all right, now we can see like all right, the momentum is changing and they're becoming competitive yeah we need I mean, to see we talked about, yeah good yeah i mean we talked about like nitro's on this great run so that don't help like that don't help like if this was still mm-hmm. april 96 nitro then you know we may be right it may not be clear right, right now <laughs> but yeah but uh but they're definitely not i wanted to see like exciting taped episodes because the live ones have yep. been good very good really um and we we already are looking forward to the next live one right because we know we're going to get perfect in the ring with helmsley and it's not announced yet but we know that same episode has another big um segment in it so yeah i mean like even in the what they showed tonight with the events and live wire stuff like he says he thinks brett will be back at survivor series so like you know that's probably gonna be happening yeah so there's stuff there that's starting to um, manifest. So we know that that's going to be a good uh, live show, but can they deliver good tape shows as well? So, yeah. Yeah. We'll see. You know, who delivers good tape shows, Chad, North South connection podcast network. Anything, uh, what a transition, anything catching your eyes lately on there? Uh, I've actually been called up. I've had a couple uh, down days at work and listening to a lot of pods lately. Uh, listen to the latest, now we're in the Royal Rumble, another kind of smorgasbord show. Talk about Jeff Jarrett, who's very relevant to this show. So a lot of crossover there. Um, Doink and uh, Bam Bam Bigelow. I was surprised he was only in one Royal Rumble. Yes. Um, I, know, I probably would have guessed a couple more. But yeah, just the way that shook out. Uh, also, I uh, got caught up on Extreme Three-Way Dance. Uh now pretty much into 97 mm-hmm. uh some cool stuff going on it seems weird they're still sticking with raven versus uh sandman yes I guess we'll see uh but <laughs> tommy rich love that uh terry funk love that so a lot of interesting developments happening and just taz being crazy like like listening to taz and uh you guys's recap and then seeing taz in my 2001 watch that i'm doing mm-hmm. where he's just getting pumped out by austin and he's like just the pudgy announcer it's yeah. so sad it's like i mean this is four years like what happened like yeah uh, it's a quick it's, uh, quick just pretty depressing yeah uh also what's going on new gen on mission uh new episode of that drop they're uh, in the summer slam build uh, i think the next show they do will be summer slam correct uh so yes yeah or I don't know, they, they may be doing the SummerSlam is spectacular. Oh, yeah. I don't know if they, they'll throw they that in. That. But yeah. Yeah. We're definitely uh we're on board the Lex Express though now. Deep deep in the uh, the SummerSlam hype. Yes, yes. Uh, also so that's uh, me. 
yeah, I'll toss out uh, my new show uh, at the movies. I had my first episode back with Rocco Martone. We watched American Pie, of course, uh, and it was a lot of fun. I think we went on some good tangents and my goal is not to just recap the play by play of the movie is to really just kind of go off in different discussions while we're talking about the movie itself. So that was fun. That's going to be uh, no, no real set schedule on that. Just kind of drop as we get there. Uh, Jenny possession every Wednesday, she delivers some really good content, a lot of freak out drive in episodes, which are her live watch horror movie podcast, as well as you know, if you heard about Pluto, another live watch show that she does. And, uh, there's rumors circulating potentially of a new journey, uh, the journey through infinity coming soon as well. So lots to look forward to there and everything else on the North South connection podcast network. And also Aaron George, of course, with the wrestler that was, it's just great solo content. Yeah. We have every other Monday, just incredible stuff from our buddy, Aaron. Yep. All right. Let's head over to Savannah, Georgia for the October yeah. 7th, 1996 nitro. Not too many uh, wrestling cards from Savannah. You hear about, uh, I mean, Clash 17 with the um, Ricky Steamboat reveal. That's mm-hmm. kind of the one that comes to mind. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's I mean, it's a weird town. I was actually surprised they gave it the nameplate treatment on right. the show. I didn't know whether they'd uh, deem Savannah um, big enough or not to uh, get that honor, but they did. But, I mean, I think you can attest, pretty cool city. So, yes, definitely good, good for Savannah. <laughs> the uh, uh, but yes, the most violent thing other than that is uh, Jambalaya Jake almost murdering himself in the pool. So, share <laughs> uh, <Sheriff laughs> feet doing uh, cannonballs into the yes. pool. Yeah. Uh, all right, we are counting the weeks to Halloween Havoc. Uh, they talk about Miss Elizabeth in NWO. We have footage from the hotel last week where Savage showed up and lost it on her. We are ready to go. It's Harlem Heat already in the ring for our opening match. And that is Harlem Heat taking on Public Enemy. And we find out from Tony Schiavone that we have new tag team champions as Harlem Heat has regained the belts back on Saturday night this past weekend. Colonel Parker went in on Johnny Grunge's injured knee. Of course, Grunge's knee was hurt last week, if you recall. We get clips yeah. of that, and Halloween Havoc will go to uh, Halloween Havoc. Halloween Heat will go to Halloween Havoc as champions, as originally intended. This is a non-title match here tonight, and they are set to take on the Outsiders. Larry keeps going on and on about Savage having no emotional control. Nick Patrick still has a <laughs> neck brace on. Uh, the two teams talk shit before we get going. Sherry kisses Parker as Parker tries to get things organized. Grunge starts with Booker. He's fired up and lands some shots. Rocco comes in. They double up. The crowd's pretty into this early. We spill outside. We're all for brawl. We go to break. We get a Macho Man, uh, Randy Savage shirt and bandana combo. This is $24.95 plus $5.95 shipping and handling. How do you think this stacks up to the demo? Yeah, that's why I made my commentary comment earlier. I mean, I don't think this is like the best piece of merchandise, Mm -hmm. but this combo set for $25 compared to that denim (laughs) shirt seemed like a no-brainer to me. We come back. We have a camera on Liz. She's backstage. She's trying to get in Savage's locker room, but he's not there. Harlem Heat's now in control. They're tagging in and out, working over Rock or Rock. Tony says Savage and Flair will wrestle tonight, just two weeks before Savage has to face Hogan at Havoc. Rock takes a beating in and out of the ring, but he keeps hanging on to some basic tag stuff here. Rock gets a tag, but Patrick misses it, so we roll on to the Heat segment. We see the NWOs up in the stands, including Six, who's using a camcorder. The crowd notices them, and they all get excited. Scott Hall grabs a mic. He calls out Harlem Heat, calls them hillbillies. It says they'll get the outsiders <laughs> at Halloween Havoc. Nash says they'll snap into the belt at Havoc, and Hall does the Jason noise and says it will be scary and time is running out. 
Ted DiBiase says he smells the money and the titles at Havoc, and things will get hot for Harlem Heat. Uh, good stuff. It picked up the excitement of this opening match there. Public Enemy make a comeback as Tony calls Sting the lone wolf. Still trying to make that happen. He says WCW has no leader. They attempted to make amends last week at the race car, but that didn't work. Larry says uh, he doesn't like it. He doesn't like the ass kissing. He said this is Sting's fault, not WCW's. Rocco goes up top, but Parker shakes the ropes, and he falls through a table. He hits Grunge in the knee, and then Booker smashes his knee with a chair and hits a top uh, top rope knee drop through the chair, and we are done. Uh, this is okay. I think it was a little long for the opener of Nitro. It was kind of slow-paced, a lot of grinding. The NWO stuff was great, as always, but we didn't need this to go so long around it. It breaks our run of hot openers to get us going on this show. Uh, Harlem Heat, Popolik, and me away. We had this little few-week blip with the tag titles, but they're back where they belong. Two and a half stars to me as we head toward Havoc for the tag title match. Yeah, I went two and a half. I think I may be more positive on it. Um, yeah, so there's a lot going on with this. First off, uh, title change happens on Saturday night. That is the mm-hmm. last time the tag oh, titles wow. will ever happen on Saturday night. I wanted to verify that, but that is happens. Uh, Larry loves saying that it's obvious Elizabeth is with the New World Odor. He uh, kills that, <laughs> beats that throughout the match. Um, but no, I mean, this I, I like this match okay. I think mm-hmm. this is starting to talk about. Um, I want to be fair with the stuff because, like, what a, what the NWO does here, I I like, but I do think this is where you have to start looking at it a little bit critically and thinking: is there too much oversaturation of right. them on the show? Uh, because I mean, this this match had a lot going on. Like, this is a grudge match in of itself, mm-hmm. but you had Nick Patrick in there. You had uh, the NWO interrupting, and yeah, they are advancing the title match. Let's just say, at least it feels like it's driving towards something. And I did like also that Harlem Heat was not distracted by that. Um, I thought that was a cool wrinkle that they did mention on commentary, too. Um, It just felt a little weird, um, and it felt like, whereas a lot of the show, you know, we, we wanted to kind of notate and talk about when we think like what may be the pivot point i think there's a couple of instances on this show where we see that um where now with most matches you're thinking like okay is there going to be some sort of nwo involvement or whatnot uh it it feels like it's creeping in more and more than it was here Uh, as far as the actual work in the show i mean uh in the match itself decent uh not bad i thought rock was pretty good as a face in peril uh sherry distracting parker uh, for like five minutes i mean it's a good thing he's like a crooked ralph because that was ridiculous Mm -hmm. like she was on the apron forever um but it does lead to the uh to the uh finish which played off the bad knee so i mean i'm I'm a sucker for that it's like ricky morton's arm in 1986 i mean obviously grunge is no ricky morton but uh you know i give them uh give them the kudos for at least uh selling the limb week to week and keeping that going on. Uh, so two and a half for me and enjoyable opener for me. I think it's good to give Harlem heat some momentum going into Halloween havoc. And I think it's an interesting match on paper. I don't, I don't think it's a match that, I mean, you would favor the outsiders, but again, like them not being phased right. by 
them on the microphone and stuff like that. That that's fine. Uh, Larry talking about kind of sting the car. He uses the analogy is like if your teenager gets in trouble, you don't give them a car. And so, right. So very pissed about that. Um, yeah. Overall, just like I kind of like going on. Uh, hillbillies from it's an Texas. odd one. I don't know yeah. if I'd associate Texas with hillbillies. But. It's an odd one. Yeah. I digress. Two and a half. We need more from Nash. That's what we need. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. And this NWO one to me wasn't as bad because, again, it is pushing a direct match, not just them wreaking havoc. But I do think we're teetering a bit now of it becoming a little too ensconced within the show, both from a fan perspective and the booking. Yeah. Fan perspective, I think, is the biggest one for this match mm-hmm. because, or this show. Because we'll talk about it later, but the fans were pretty pro NWO and kind of tough. It's somewhat at the detriment of some of the WCW guys. Right, right, agreed. Oh, All right, we in his little yeah. Macho in his T-shirt promo says fashion faux pas, which was, <laughs> it made me chuckle. Fashion faux pas. Don't make a fashion faux pas. Have you ever made a Have you ever (laughs) made a fashion faux pas? I don't. I don't know. I don't know if I've made anything that would constitute that. I mean, possible. Possible. Yeah. We see a limo pull up outside, and Tony assumes it's Hollywood Hogan, but no, it's the real Double J, (laughs) Jeff Jarrett. (laughs) He's decked out in all white, and he's got something to say. What'd you think of this? I, I liked it. I thought yeah. it was cool. I mean, it, it definitely gives off the, wow, anything could happen, right? Um, and I like that he showed up in a limo because mm-hmm. that automatically, like, creates intrigue where, right. you know, I mean, again, Tony's jumping to conclusions, but, I mean, maybe justifiably so. So, it, uh, it, this, to me, is utilizing the front front hour where you're running unopposed. Right. It's utilizing that well because now you have a hook for the second hour for sure. Yeah. And you're assuming, too, like you said, like he's in the limo. He's a WWF guy. Like it seems yeah. very obvious he's next in the NWO right. pipeline. So, right. And he's always been a heel. Heel. You know? Yeah. Yep. So we go back to WCW Saturday night where Tony Schiavone talked to Nick Patrick, who says he's taking control and bringing law and order to WCW. And he's going to levy out the largest fine ever in sports history by putting a $1 million fine on Macho Man Randy Savage for laying his hands on him. He also wants a suspension. And his lawyers have told him he has a good case and wants WCW to back him up. Says there was one announcer stirring up rumors and lies about him, and he's gone. So, of course, the reference to Gene, because he's been in on Gene all those weeks where he said, you know, he's out there. The media is out there giving him shit, et cetera. So another little shot at Gene there. Um, <laughs> this, this is just Patrick abusing his power, but I, I, this is pretty good. I mean, one million dollars is so preposterous. Right, uh, I mean, it kind of works, so it's fine. All right, our next match, we have the Marty Slees approved, Jumpin' Jim Powers taking on no. Diamond Dallas Page. Nick Patrick, the hardest working man in the business, back out there reffing again. Uh, yeah. A big match here with Powers having been on a nice streak. We'll see if he could pass DDP in the pecking order, possible. Page has a big match, a Havoc lot going on with him. Page grabs the arm early, but Powers works out of it and takes over. We go back and forth as Tony reminds us Eddie Guerrero won the Battle Bowl ring back at Clash of Champions in August. But DDP left with it. We haven't seen it since. We get an inset promo from DDP who calls Eddie Burrito Boy. 
DDP clubs away at Powers, gets back-to-back near falls on roll-ups. Powers is hot here, gets a nice power slam, but DDP slips under him on a charge and gets the diamond cutter for the quick win. DDP kicks Teddy after the match and then shoves him to the corner, which is funny. Uh, and, and this is fine. It needed more time to get cooking. Powers continues to look solid. He gets a lot of offense in these matches. He just can't break through with the win, and Paige rolls on to Havoc. So I went two and a quarter. It's fine. I was starting to have. I, I thought this kind of played into what you talked about. A little bit with Diamond uh, Dallas in the past, mm-hmm. and I kind of disagreed, but I agreed in this instance that right. I th- I think he's kind of above this. Like I would have liked to seen him with heavier competition. Um, Jim Powers seemed to get a lot of offense here. Uh, to to me, too much offense on him. I mean, he's had a little bit of a rub, but it's kind of also been more centered around Teddy and Patrick and their problems. So, I, I I thought this was a, a probably the weakest and least enthused I've been about Dallas in a couple months now. Um, just just from getting worked over in the match, the backstage promo where he calls Eddie Burrito Boy wasn't uh, wasn't great. Uh, didn't really add a lot of juice to the uh, Halloween Havoc match. The uh, crowd was also pretty dead except to the very end with the diamond cutter um i mean that looked cool the way he did that out of the full nelson but otherwise i was pretty disappointed in this star and a half uh afterwards teddy and uh teddy and Paige get in each other's face and patrick kind of threatens teddy again but not not a whole i mean i actually thought we'd see more patrick and teddy interaction right. here this is kind of an off week for that as well yeah, I'm curious. We'll have to track if they're done with it. Is it going to become a dropped angle? Because they're moving past yeah. the more important stuff. Yep. Yeah. All right. Tanae talks to Macho Man and Jason Keller, who's a Slim Jim car driver. They're in the aisle. Savage talks about all the race car shenanigans of late and the NWO talking tough about a big race. And they had Kyle Petty driving their car. He hit a wall in Charlotte and didn't even finish. But the Slim Jim Halloween Havoc car didn't hit the wall and finished 10th. Savage plays it up and celebrates. We see clips. Savage says Hogan will crash and burn just like they're at NWO car. Out comes Miss Elizabeth. She wants to talk, but Savage says he's, what's done is done, and she needs to save it. Larry's proud of Savage for dumping Liz like a real man and thinks she's just out there for more alimony. So uh, segment is a bit all over the place. I think it's weird, like, the using Savage as both this madman who's crazed and losing it and broken by Elizabeth and trying to kill the NWO. And then he's out there also as like this weird spokesperson with the car stuff and everything else. It feels like maybe like put Luger with the car stuff. He's not really doing anything right now. Rah, rah. And let Savage just be like the crazed madman heading toward Hogan. It feels like he shouldn't be playing both roles. Yeah, this, this is a little weird. Um, a lot of, uh, a lot of NASCAR stuff too. Like we talked about uh, on the last one, I mean, I, I didn't recognize Jason Keller, and right. when they were talking about like he finished tenth and all this, I was like, what, what are you talking about? Uh, it turns out that was like in the nationwide, you know, like the AAA race. So I mean, he, he uh, if you Wikipedia him, he did finish. Uh, what was his play? He finished sixth overall in the hmm. nationwide standings in '96, but all right. but had very very little um traction up in the big leagues 
Like in, uh, looks like from 1996 he did some, and then it wasn't until 2003 he raced regularly in the uh, Winston Cup. So pretty low level, actually, to be bumming around and savage, like hyping him up. Um, I don't, I don't know. Like the first, the first half of this show is really strange. It's actually more strange now that I'm talking about it than when I was watching it. But mm-hmm. yeah, I think there's a. Uh, because everything was kind of entertaining enough between like the diamond cutter and the opener match and savage is savage but there's there is some some small cracks i would say in some of the stuff that's going on right we're not as flawless as we have been from say like i want to say bat great american bash probably until you know until what fall brawl yeah was pretty flawless Larry calling Kyle Petty, Kyle Sweaty is like, <laughs> maybe one of his more annoying name variations. Back to the ring. As the faces of fear out to take on high voltage, Larry talks of Jimmy Hart as a face of fear out. They've been dominant lately. We'll see if high voltage can do anything here. Tony wonders what Liz needs to tell Savage. He wonders where Jared is and if he's NWO, and then gets word that Jarrett will actually debut in a match tonight. So they're fast-tracking this here for him. Uh, Ming batters Kenny Chaos against Rolling, but Chaos comes barreling back with hard shots of the gut. Big bow strikes here. Uh, the crowd perks up as we see Benoit, Mongo, and Deborah in the aisle to observe the faces of fear. Their opponents are Halloween Havoc. Rage comes in and tries to work over Ming, but he doesn't get very far as Mongo randomly yells, You Sonny Bono wannabe! to someone. <laughs> High voltage, keep Ming grounded until he lands a tight shot in a rage. He tags in Barbarian. Barb batters rage and actually picks him up during a pin, then slams him to the corner violently. Ming and Barbarian take turns laying the wood until Bob crushes rage with a power bomb for two as Chaos makes a save. Bob then crushes uh, Barb then crushes rage with a big boot, and we are done. And this is good. Power offense was fl- overflowing. Face of fear on fire. They destroy High Voltage. You've got some decent shots in. Fun stuff, and their War of the Horsemen I think should be pretty fun on paper. Yeah, uh, I think it looks like a good one. I'm actually excited to watch that match. I went two and a half on this one. Yeah, yeah two and a half for me too. I love, I thought this was a great squash. Like mm-hmm. Faces of Fear is on a little bit of a roll, and uh, they're killing folks. Like you know, everything was nasty here. Um, mm-hmm. The clothesline that Ming shrugs off looked good. Double drop kick from high voltage looked good. Um, once uh, they miss a charge in the corner. Uh, and uh, high voltage takes over that, uh, you know, I was surprised at that, but that's pretty short lived when barbarian gets the tag in and then he just annihilates pump head with slam nasty power bomb by me. Rage is just getting completely worked over. I like the uh, catapult into the big boot uh, that got the pin. So overall to me, really effective squash. Having Mongo uh, Benoit Lacan from the entrance wave very like basic of the basic hype for that match but also something i don't really remember but i am looking forward to because yeah on paper so far in the way that uh all of the guys maybe sans mongo are performing in ring right now it looks like it could be a uh, very nice hard-hitting mid-card match yeah it's like a. I don't remember it at all, so I'm really curious to see how no. it holds up. And, you know, we, you and I have both kind of been into Mongo so far early in this role. And, you yeah. know, Ben will be throwing down with them. So it should be a fun, only a fun Haas battle. So. Right. That's the hope. 
All right, WCW Saturday night, we have Guerrero versus Disco Inferno, Rough and Ready versus Harlem Heat, Chris Jericho, Jim Duggan, and Lex Luger in action. Yeah, so another on paper light WCW Saturday night. We'll see if we get a big one. Rowdy getting the name drop. Yes, big for them. (laughs) We'll see if we get a bigger one on uh, Halloween Havoc weekend, usually on the pay-per-view weekends. I feel like they amp it up. Yeah, yeah. All right, back to the ring we go as Glacier is back with us, and he's taking on Mike Wenner. Big debut from Mr. Wenner. <laughs> Comes out looking aggravated. He's not very handsome. Uh, big mullet. Glacier enters to the whole laser light show. The crowd pops and the lights fade. The lasers go up. He has a helmet on that Larry says is 300 years old. It's been passed down through a legacy of yeah. senseis. We get a lot of talk about Glacier's style. He makes his long entrance. Tony says he's been dominating. We're in the blue lights again, and Wenner tries to attack, but Glacier's all over him with his martial arts. Then he turns into a hammerlock. Wenner gets a couple shots in, but Glacier tumbles through a whip and takes back over as a crowd chants boring. Glacier kicks Wenner to the floor, dives out after him, and then back inside finishes with the kick. Uh, not much here. Just another Glacier showcase. He did show a little more offense. Wenner didn't really uh, impress much at all. I went to start a quarter. Yeah, star for me. I mean, it's a straight squash again. It's kind of a confusing winner. I don't think it was a great base for Glacier. Um, the matching of itself, uh, like it was a good in ring. Glacier does that kind of roll over the back of winner with a kick, and then mm-hmm. his uh, final kick looked pretty good. But overall, execution wise, this was another kind of weird match where the crowd popped for his entrance and then once the bell run they wasn't interested right uh then they came alive right for the <laughs> finish um but then I, I think it was a little bit of a timing issue mm-hmm. where they didn't want to go to break uh and they were two minutes away from hour number two so they have glacier pose forever in the ring and he's just posing and posing as you see the dynamite stick beat down Tower number two, and that, that just looked awkward and not very good. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I think we're at the point with Glacier now where, you know, we've seen him three times. It's time to give him a little bit of, a, you know, a feud or something to sink his teeth into. We're kind of over just the straight come in, destroy people's face, uh, which I don't think is going to be changing anytime soon, but we shouldn't be progressing. So as you said, Glacier puts on a show as Tony and Larry reset. We hit hour two. Uh, Bischoff, Heenan, and Tanae are here. We briefly hear from Bischoff and then go right to break. When we come back, we have the big debut of Jeff Jarrett. He comes down to the ring to face your boy, Hugh Morris. Uh, Bobby yeah. wonders if Jarrett is NWO. And Bischoff says months ago, Jarrett called him and wanted a shot to prove himself. And this is that chance. Bischoff thinks he's using it to showcase the NWO. He thinks he said the wool pull over his eyes again. It's an odd direction. Like, if you want to tease that he's NWO, just say, this seems to be a pattern. Guys, some the other promotion show up and join the NWO. Why is it like Bischoff makes himself sound stupid and he's forcing something that's clearly not there? Like, oh, he called me months ago to get this chance. I gave him the chance. And he's choked. Like, then just say, well, and th- it, the truth was he was with the NWO. Why is he showcasing for the NWO on this card? Just It was an odd way to go about it for Bischoff. Again, unless... It's supposed to be wink, wink, and we're picking up that he's throwing bizarre smoke out. I don't, I don't know if this mm-hmm. one didn't necessarily meet the sniff test, but um, Bobby uh, talks. About, I had, oh, a, guys, I had talk a couple. About yeah, I had a couple of notes that I thought it did uh, play into that, mostly with Jarrett's promo, but um, 
Well, yeah, yeah we'll I mean, I'll just get to it. It was one of yeah. my commentary lines. Okay. But, yeah, yeah, I, I, I think there's a little bit to that. It was a little strange, but I do think there was some purpose. Uh, Bobby talks up the Jarrett family, says the NWO roster gets deeper if Jarrett does join. Bischoff puts it over Jerry Jarrett. He says, why would Jeff want to associate with Hollywood Hogan after Hogan took the credit for his dad's success? Jarrett's smooth early. He's working over Morris and strutting around. Bobby wants to know where Bischoff was last week, and Bischoff says he was frustrated and embarrassed about the NWO, and he apologizes. Morris ends the strut with a big clothesline as Bischoff keeps saying Jarrett's NWO, and that is confusing because, again, we've seen nothing to hint at it. Uh, you just give us a little more if you want to lead us there. It's just purposeful, you know, BS, I guess. Uh, Morris mauls Jared into the corner. Bischoff says the fat lady singing for the NWO. The match will be over now, but on cue, uh, Jared battles back. It's two on a swinging DDT. Bobby says the fat lady singing is the girl in Section 8 eating popcorn. Morris comes back and misses the top rope leg drop, and Jared finishes with the figure four. Fine. I found this to be some of the worst Bischoff stuff we've gotten in this. I know we praised him a lot last week. I thought he was super annoying and just way over the top with the Jarrett being in the NWO thing. We've gotten zero hint at all that he was headed that way besides just being in a limo. Uh, he looks smooth. Morris is fine. Jarrett goes over strong. So two and a quarter. So what, talk about the match and then we'll get to the promo. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I, I actually liked the match. Um, I mean, I went to I actually went lower than you, but I mean, I thought it, I I didn't get the, the annoyance from Bischoff that you did. Um, no heart with Hugh Morris again. Um, the uh, insecurity misses, inverted atomic drop, clothesline. He does do the uh, knee over the ropes on Morris. He gets a drop kick. Uh, Morris, for his part, I thought looked pretty good. Responds with a nice power slam. That leg drop from the top. Uh, was pretty nasty that misses and then uh Jarrett points to his brain gets the figure four and gets the duke mm-hmm. so again i i thought that uh morris was a pretty good opponent to have Jarrett debut against commentary surrounding all that was certainly like you know whose side is Jarrett on but i do think um i do think there's a little more meat to that just because like who has came from wwf in the past six months and not been in wo so there is that like kind of mm-hmm. inherent thing, you know, like Ted. But he talks about it now. like he knows it, and it's it, it, like it's a it, it's a, it's just almost too Vince like, like where it's that weird foregone conclusion that's clearly not true. Like just play it up a little more mystery. Like oh man, I hope he's not NWO. We can't lose another guy. He's in the limo. It could be instead of like it's over. He's NWO. Oh if you know, look, the NWO is dead because he's going to lose to Hugh Morris. Like it just felt like way too like definitive when it should be more kind of quizzical. I don't know. Yeah, I get, I get it. I get it from a standpoint though, that they, at some point they got to be proactive. Like they did that crap with the, with DiBiase and right. look at where it went. And then with the Nick Patrick thing, which he still isn't like full bore, but it's like, he's obviously crooked now. And there's like a couple of weeks where it's like, well, he is an official. And then with Sting, you know, there, they've been a lot of times where, um, I, I can see, like, at this point, like, you would be pointing the finger very quickly. Like, accusations would be flying. Right. Yeah, I guess I don't, I just don't like the, it's just he's selling it too much to where it sounds fake. That's all. Like, just do be a little bit more realistic about it and say, look, look, we've been down this road before. We we know he's probably NWO. He's got to be. Versus, like, just, I don't know, he was just, like, almost too over the top with it. It was just odd. I don't know. I don't know. Wasn't a fan. 
Tony's in the aisle with Jarrett. He says, due to the black limo, it's obvious. <laughs> Here we go. He's NWO, and he wants to know what the deal is. Jarrett says he'll give his answer and some statements to Hulk Hogan, too. He says Hogan claims to be bigger than wrestling and that he made the business. Promoters like Vern and Jarrett would never exist, but Hogan never put food on their table. Hogan has forgotten history. He says he started in Tennessee. The crowd chants NWO. Jarrett talks about history and its importance. Sting said it best. Hogan and the NWO can stick it. He is WCW. Bischoff admits he was wrong. He says he feels better. And Bobby still doesn't know if he can. they can trust Jarrett. So Jarrett comes out with a definitive statement. He is not in the NWO. He doesn't trust them. He doesn't believe in them. He's more about tradition. So we'll see. Yeah. So this is where this promo is interesting. I'm trying to think how I should feel about it. I mean, obviously, like Derek speaks to a lot of truthful old school stuff that did happen mm-hmm. and brings in history which is always a plus for me uh on the other hand like the crowd chants nwo and is not like pro him right so it is an instance where it's like well uh is the nwo getting too dominant too cool that now they're getting too much face reactions or is it just like, you know, like Jarrett, besides if you were a Memphis fan, has never really been presented as a face. Mm-hmm. So him doing this like defiant face promo uh, seems so out of character that people didn't really know how to respond at first. Um, I don't know. I mean, I love I love the actual substance of the promo. I thought everything from the substance and delivery was great. It just didn't get the desired crowd reaction that I'm sure they were probably going for. Um, so it's a little weird. Uh, Eric, at the end of this promo, he says, I'm feeling a little bit better about life right now. That to me is a pretty forgiving line in all of his commentary, because I think that's a great, again, like if you know, he's truly NWO, right. like hearing all this about Jarrett, it works. But it's not so advert, you know, in your face that it's obvious that Eric is NWO. Right. Um, so I really like that. I really like that commentary line as we went to break. Um, yeah, I mean, overall, I think in another arena or another environment, this could have been one of your, like, really, you know, defiant moments of the mm-hmm. show. And just because of the big NWO chant, um Kind of didn't get there. It was, it was it was a little weird. Yeah, and you know we talked about this an hour during the Rumble when we did the Jared episode about how he was kind of criminally underused as a face through his big promotion runs, and this is one of the honestly yeah. I think the only time he gets a face run uh, in a major promotion. So it'll be interesting to see how it holds up. You know, I think you, me, and Aaron all agree he could have been probably better utilized as a face, especially in that '94 run. And then maybe turn him heel along the way. But uh, it definitely seems like it's something they never took advantage of in these promotions. Right. All right. We get an NWO paid ad uh, hyping the shirt to buy it. Bischoff, Bobby, and Tanae reset. We talk about Halloween Havoc, specifically the Lex Luger versus Arn Anderson match and the issues with Luger and the Horsemen from War Games. And that brings us to our next match, which is Renegade showing back up here to take on Arn Anderson. Big pop for Arn and Woman as they head out. Very heel crowd here tonight. Renegade is still hanging around. And it's a throwback back to their summer of 95 match. 
we get some sting talk and today actually talks about the history mentions when renegade did beat arn for the tv title so good on him to bring that up bischoff mm-hmm. is sick of all the nwo signs bobby says he sees people on the highway with nwo in their windows Arn Mark mocks Renegade a bit as we get going. He tries a pile driver, but Renegade counters and sends Arn bailing. Arn baits Renegade out and back in, boots him to take over. It starts to pick him apart with some precision offense. Arn, Arn counters a sunset flip with a hard right hand and goes to a chin lock. We get more Havoc talk as we flow through. Bischoff and today talk about the Gold Coast Sportsbook in Vegas. Arn batters the head and neck and arm as the crowd chants for DDT. Renegade makes his comeback with some strikes. He's trying to bring some energy. Even breaks out a handspring elbow to the corner, but the crowd ain't feeling it. He tries the second one, but this time Arn just clobbers him down and finishes him off with the DDT. Arn hangs Renegade in the tree of woe and kicks at him. His woman pulls his hair until Luger makes a save. And that's that. Uh, that is a basic, a long match. Arn does Arn stuff. Renegade worked hard. Proficient. We get some havoc heat and... It's kind of been my grade of the night across Raw and Nitro. Two and a half. Everything has felt very middling tonight. I went two and a half. I was actually impressed by this. I had no expectations of washed up Renegade here. I thought this was a good indicator of a replacement level arm match. But also I thought Renegade shockingly showed some energy uh, that I wouldn't have expected at this point in his run. It's crazy that he still hangs around for like two more years after this, uh, here and there. But um, overall, like I mean, it's just it's just classic orange stuff. Like the announcers talk about how he controls the pace. He's constantly going to the throat or the head with the chin lock, headbutts, whatnot. Um, he does that little like arm stuff, and I did think like Renegade was being pretty active underneath. You know, doing basic stuff like trying to get to the ropes, not staying stagnant, uh, which I like. Uh, momentum turns when Arn goes for his little dive off the ropes and hits the uh, knees of Renegade, um, and that that was good. Um, and then uh, Renegade makes his comeback, so a clothesline, some punches in the corner, then hits that handspring back elbow, which I thought was shocking, like shockingly athletic for him. Uh, but I love that he went for it again, gets clubbed really stiffly in the back of the head to a big pop. And then Arn immediately signals for the DDT, which gets the crowd going and uh, wins with the DDT. Then afterwards, you get some stuff with him versus Luger. Mm-hmm. I mean, him versus Luger on paper, again, is another match that I kind of want to see. I don't remember it either. Um Pretty big Luger apologist, so I, I don't know if it's good or bad. I do think it it's a little weird that Luger is kind of now into this feud with Orn. Like, I get it, but it does seem like he's kind of forgotten about the NWO pretty quickly. Orn, uh-huh. uh, too, really. I mean, like, Orn was talking about hospital beds and everything else heading into fall brawl. Now, all of a sudden, he's feuding with Luger. So, both of these guys, it's, it's a little strange that now they're embroiled in this blood feud with each other. But we'll see how it plays out. Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, you know, I think they each kind of have a claim. Like, Luger is just like, look, I'm just trying to fight the NWO. I, I don't have, I don't own Sting. And Aaron's like, well, Sting's your boy. You promised he'd be okay, and he screwed us at Havoc. I mean, uh, Fall Brawl. So, right. it, at least it's a reason to be fighting with each other and not the NWO right now. Yeah. All right. Speaking of Luger, he's in our next match against uh, Dave Taylor. Bischoff asked Tanae what the latest with William, uh, Stephen Regal is, Lord Stephen Regal. Taylor attacks poor Jeeves during the entrance, calls him a stupid little person. He smacked the shit out of him. <laughs> oh, kills Jeeves. Yeah. Tanae says 
Regal has won the television title, and he now defends nightly in Japan and England. We got a big pop for Luger as he storms out. Tanay says Bobby Eaton has quit the Blue Bloods because of the treatment of Jeeves. Bischoff purrs over some ladies in the crowd, and Bobby thinks he's talking about some guy in bib overalls. Mm. Bischoff says Nitro is live and exciting, not like this other canned stuff you see. We get some talk about Nick Patrick's fine on Savage. Bobby says Al uh, says uh, President Gene, A.L. President, Jesus, something all over the place. American League President Gene Budig is a big WCW fan. Bobby thinks WCW should let Savage do whatever he wants. Luger inset promo says Arn blames him for all his problems. He has his change for him at Havoc. Luger cuts through Taylor out of the gate as we ease in. Bobby says Lex doesn't have killer instinct, needed to beat Arn. Uh, Arn shows up, he attacks Luger in the aisle and beats the shit out of him with a chair and a pretty good attack. Taylor comes back with strikes, but Luger slams into him with a clothesline, hits him with a loaded forearm, fights through a comeback, and racks him for the win. Just really a squash. Lex is ready for Havoc. Uh, this was better than his last outing. This is a better way to heat him up. I went just one star, but at least Luger looks stronger here than we did last time we saw him. Yeah, star and a half for me. I thought it was another good squash. Uh, Regal defending the TV title, like Tanae says, that's the definition of the TV title. Mm-hmm. He's defending it. <laughs> not England. on TV, like in right. England and Germany and Japan, like not on TV. So, okay. Uh, Luger's backstage promo, his titties were bouncing. It was completely out of control here. <laughs> yes. Uh, he says he's got two points. One, he wants the TV title from Regal and that he's going to beat Arn at Havoc. And then uh, when they go back to the commentary, they were like, I thought he was talking about peck, left peck and right peck. It was like, yeah, they were they were definitely going. Uh, hip toss, backslide flying forearm from Luger. He's rolling in this match. Um, The momentum in all these matches tonight seem to be like a charge into the turnbuckle and somebody gets a big leg up. That happens here where Taylor does it, but then he misses the elbow drop almost immediately. Uh, And then Luger racks him for a nice squash. Um, I like the attack afterwards with Lauren with the chair. Pretty vicious. And again, overall, like it's not a feud I hate. There is a reason why they kind of are doing it. I do think, like, there's a little bit of logic in my mind that says, like, you know, they should have let bygones be bygones and be working together versus the NWO. Right. But Well, well it's a numbers it game with the NWO, too, right now, because they only get so many bodies. So they can't yeah. really eat up all these matches. So logically, yep. you need other stuff going on. I mean, you have added it with Giant, but Six can't wrestle yet, it seems like. Uh, still probably dinged up from the from the neck. So it's like... You know, you got Giant. Well, actually, did Six, he worked, I guess. Was he on that Nitro last week? He he worked that, like, yeah, a little match last week. I mean, I think it's just more like, yeah, I mean, they wanted the Outsiders to mm-hmm. win. I mean, hypothetically, you could have done the Outsiders versus Arn and Luger at the pay-per-view. Right. But they wanted the Outsiders to uh, uh, win the tag titles. So, to do that, they have to face Harlem Heat. Um I mean, you possibly could have done Harlem Heat losing to Arn and Luger as one of those, like, you know, we hate each other, but with the tag right. champions things, I'm never the biggest fan of that. So I'm not too upset they didn't go that direction. But yeah, well, I, mean, I think I this did, gets I over Harlem Heat, too, by, by having them face the Outsiders is like a big step for Harlem Heat. Mm, we'll see. I, I'm pessimistic about that, but yeah. we'll At see. At least on paper going happens. into it, it's like a big deal. Like, yeah. Yeah, they're kind of some of the top guns right now trying to defend WCW. So. Right. That's how they're trying to present them. So, yeah, we'll see. All right, we got a big rematch from last week now as Rick Steiner takes on Chris Benoit. 
Scott is with Rick, and Bischoff says Scott has two rusher discs. He should be in bed, not out here, but he wanted to be there for his brother. Benoit has Mongo and Deborah with him. Bischoff tells us Kevin Green had two sacks yesterday against the Vikings, but the Panthers lost that game by two points. Benoit attacks with the bell, but Steiner counters with a power slam, unloads the punches. Benoit runs into a clothesline, and then the two trade big punches with Rick winning the battle. Bischoff says Scott's going to get surgery. Rick will be teaming with Great Muda in the New Japan Tag Team Tournament. Steiner throws Benoit up and over for two, as Bischoff says Matt Kafari, our, our Olympian, was in Atlanta <laughs> lately and expressing interest in joining WCW. Bischoff says Bobby should call his friend Ted DiBiase to see if the NWO is also interested. Rick grabs a chin lock and hammers away. Benoit tries to come back, but Steiner throws him with ease with a released German for two. After a break, Benoit has Rick in a chin lock and works him over in the corner with chops. Gets a near fall, but Scott smacks Nick Patrick in the back of the neck as they argue. Benoit gets a brain buster for two and kicks away as we go to the NWO limo coming into the garage. And we see Hogan and the Giant come out. Hogan says he has business to take care of and tells Giant to watch his back. Benoit still controls. We get some near falls as Bischoff wonders where the Nasty Boys have been. And he thinks Jared still may be in the NWO. He thinks earlier was a smokescreen. Benoit gets two on a back suplex. He goes to the chin lock. Rick comes back with a flying forearm, but Benoit goes back to the chin lock again. He slams Rick so hard, Rick's headgear pops off, and then he mashes him with a flying headbutt for two. Bischoff says they have monitors in the arenas now because the fans have been asking them with so much action going on down in the back and outside the arena. They want to see what's happening. Steiner gets a released German. He heats up a top row bulldog for two. Nick Patrick and Scott Steiner argue again as we get a double clothesline. Deborah ties up Patrick and Mongo wants to slide in the briefcase, but Scott comes over and that allows Rick to grab the case and smash both Mongo and Benoit with it. And he covers for the win. Uh, I thought this was really stiff. It was fun. I, I thought it was better than last week's. Uh, still victim to have a slowdown for the NWO stuff cutting in, which is, again, an epidemic right now for Nitro. The crowds are also becoming a trend. They seem to be just waiting for the NWO here again. They were antsy and looking to the aisle. Uh, but these guys really beat the shit out of each other. It was a fun match. It could have been a real classic if they had more focus and a tighter flow and they didn't have to fill time. But I thought it was a bit of a hidden gem. Uh, as the briefcase finally backfires on Mongo, I went three and a half on this one. Yeah, three and a half for me. I think this is a definite hidden gem. Mm-hmm. This, to me, is a definition of hidden gem because on paper, it doesn't look awful. But... Um, I mean, Rick Steiner's singles matches, I don't think he peaks much higher than this, historically, from what I can think of. Um, This has been kind of the top, and I thought this was a great stiff match. You know, I mean, like, we track anything over three and a quarter as hidden gym, but uh, the last few times we've done that, it's been, you know, Jericho and Eddie or... Uh, Ray and Ultimo Dragon or Ray and Dimalenko. Not not too surprising. Um, this is a match where, again, on paper, it doesn't look awful, but uh was really surprised at the stiffness, really surprised that I thought at the beginning it had a big match feel um, and just tons of tons of highlights, huge Steiner lines, uh, mm-hmm. Rick catching him right away, slamming him down and pounding away. Uh, I like that he uh, maintains the advantage with that German suplex to head to break. Uh, when we come back, we see Benoit taking over with some nasty chops in the corner. Scott Steiner throughout this match was completely pissed at uh, Nick Patrick. Uh, when the limo comes up and Hollywood comes out, I, I'm guessing he's won it before, but I don't know. I've never notated it, and I did make a note of it now. He does have his Hollywood Rules shirt. So uh, that's, that's happened now, where he has his official like Hollywood Rules NWO yep. t-shirt. Yep. Says he has some business to take care of. Uh, ben 
Benoit continues to work over Steiner uh, as we hear about security running around on commentary, flying clothesline from Steiner. Both men are out. The flying head butt looked nice by Benoit. And I like that, you know, from a safety standpoint, I like that he hits the midsection. Like, he actually doesn't hit head-to-head uh, from the top. Uh, the headgear flying off from Steiner was nasty. He has yep. a nasty DDT. And then the bulldog from the top also looked nasty. Uh, Benoit fires back, double clothesline, both are down. Then Deborah gets on the apron, and those uh, those Halliburton shots were also nasty. And a cool finish where, like, Mongo's been using that to great um, great success rate. And for kind of the tables to turn, Mongo to get whacked with it. Uh, and then Benoit... I thought was a really fun finish and a really fun, surprising, really good match. I'd kind of expected something in the decent to good range and got something really good. Three and a half stars. All right. We got a Halloween Havoc ad and then we go right to our main event, which is, I don't know, for what, the 10th, 11th time since we've been doing this Mm -hmm. podcast. Macho Man Randy Savage taking on the Nature Boy, Ric Flair. Uh, we haven't seen Flair a lot lately. Savage comes out. The U.S. title will be on the line. But we cut backstage where we see Hulk Hogan and Ted DiBiase tell the Nasty Boys to watch his back. They want to know what's up, but Hogan says he's got to talk to Savage. The Nasties tell Hogan to watch their back, to watch their back too, and DiBiase gives them some paperwork. They said this is what we've been waiting for. Hogan smirks and walks away. Flair's music fires up, but Bischoff says, go backstage, go backstage, go backstage. We cut immediately there. And we see Hall, Nash, Six, Giant, and Vincent all beating the shit out of Flair while holding up his U.S. title. Miss Elizabeth comes out. She's fretting as Flair rides in pain. Giant stalks Liz and carries the title with him. He backs her all the way into the arena where Savage shows up with a chair to protect her. Hogan attacks Savage from behind and Giant cleans out anyone who gets in the way. Liz is a mess as Hogan walks to the ring with her while Giant carries Savage alongside and then just drops him on the steps. Giant beats (laughs) Savage down in the ring as Hogan makes Liz watch. Giant hoists Savage up for a choke slam, but Hogan stops him and he just punches Savage instead. Just a dick move. Hogan beats on Savage as Giant makes Liz watch now. Hogan drops multiple legs across Savage, spray paints him. Bischoff says the horsemen are with flair. Sting is nowhere to be seen. Trash is filling the ring. Bischoff wants to cut and go, but the rest of the NWO come out and they join the fun. Hogan says he owns Miss Elizabeth because she signed the agreement. Her relationship with Savage is null and void. Hogan says they're going to destroy the set and announce table. And out comes an NWO monster truck. Six is hanging out of it. It drives into the announce set. And that's that. Just an amazing beatdown segment. Just pure heel nastiness. The way they execute these plans is perfectly. They play out through the night. You can see the pieces in place. And then they all crest into these big moments. Awful treatment of Liz. It adds so much heat. And it brings history, too, with Savage, Hogan, and Liz and their shit all coming in. You don't even have to talk about it overtly. It's just there. Uh, and this adds a ton of heat to Havoc between Hogan and Savage. So I thought this was super top-level stuff. Yeah, I thought this was pretty spectacular, too. A uh, couple of things here. So Eric talking about security, and they mentioned it before, but I thought it was a cool another kind of little moment to pick up on. But, like, at uh, one point, Bobby's like, why are you the only one that's getting the direction from the truck? You know, so, like, Eric's the only one that, you know, is in the know, says he's hearing from the truck, but, you know, he may be here elsewhere um so that was a cool little thing uh hogan and ted and the nasties outside i I love the nasties being like the cronies here and then uh teddy's saying he's got some nwo paperwork from them uh when they go backstage yeah we see the beat down on flare we hear the lead pipe gets thrown down vincent has the u.s championship nash yells thug life 
uh, Elizabeth's off to the side. So, so this is, I, I thought this was done well, where like you hear the sound of the lead pipe. Um, but uh, obviously, like you didn't see Flair get too physical. That's because he's legitimately injured. Uh, has a shoulder he hurt it in yes. japan yep. we we won't see flair and ring actually till slamboree so a long time um mm-hmm. till we see flair it's crazy too because it goes out it's a cool segment but he goes out a little bit just kind of under the radar like that's yeah it. it's been such a mainstay for us all these the title run all these matches with savage and the early days the nwo like he's been such a big part of the show for us i could see a world where the break is probably good for him though too but it is gonna be weird not having him around yeah and i think as we talked about like this is this is really it where he's like uh, 1a 1b in the promotion like i don't think after this he's never presented that way Mm -hmm. um agreed so it's interesting like this is kind of it like a little bit of an untimely on one end, it's an untimely injury. On the other hand, yeah, I mean, he probably needed a break. So, but yeah, I mean, this is probably the most he could do uh, was just like lay on the ground and they kick him. So there we go. Uh, giant stalking Liz out, like very like menacing. Um, Savage coming out with the chair. Just just a lot of great visuals here where Savage has the chair lifted up and. Uh, Liz is behind him, and then you just see Hogan come into the camera frame and way like Savage. And I thought Hogan really put a nasty beat down on him, putting him into the guardrail. Giant sent Randy Anderson just completely flying across the uh, concrete floor. Uh, and then uh, when um, Hogan actually grabs Elizabeth by the hair, that was pretty nasty like straight heel stuff saying mm-hmm. who do you think you are on you and then giant picking up macho and carrying him to the ring was crazy so they, uh, the stairs absolutely actually collapse when giant steps up on them and uh it's one of those botches that works out where savage ends up taking a completely nasty bump like mm-hmm. back first on the post uh, and then giant shows off his power by just press slamming savage uh, from the floor into the ring, which looks good. Uh, and then I like the way it worked where it looked like, you know, like giant was going to give him the choke slam Bobby on commentary is even saying like giants doing all of Hogan's dirty work, but Hogan stops and punches him down. Um, you know, uh, Hogan's clothesline to the back and the turnbuckle again, I thought looked more vicious and uh, menacing than, a lot of Hogan offense has looked in 1996. His leg drops actually look pretty stiff, too, as the trash starts to come in, spray paint with the outline of uh, Savage. I did like that they uh, talked about how the horsemen were kind of tending to flare backstage, so that's why they didn't come out to make the save. So everybody's kind of tied up. Um, some nice kind of loose ends. Uh, a lot of debris of course coming into the ring and a lot of uh like accurate throwers for the savannah (laughs) patrons a lot of big drinks kind of bouncing off everybody here um and then hogan gives the promo which he talked about which was pretty revolting i mean saying he owns uh liz's body soul and heart Mm -hmm. (laughs) pretty pretty deplorable overall And ends ends very gratuitous too with this huge monster truck coming out and uh, smashing the uh, announce booth. So again, like a lot of like NASCAR vehicles, a lot of tie-ins. But um, 
you know, at least like I thought the monster truck looked cool, like six hanging out of it looked cool, and then it, it provided like an out of control visual to end the show on that, like this literal monster truck made to demolish the set of nitro. Yep. All right, great ending, uh, for sure. Yeah. And we're really hurtling toward Halloween Havoc uh, on a hot yeah. streak here. So, Hogan Savage is really well built. It's probably the best built Hogan match that we've seen. <sighs> Uh, since we started uh, yeah yeah that we've seen yeah i mean i think i think this i mean to me like this angle for this show was like the type of money angle like you need on wwf side like we ain't yeah. seen an angle like that so that's no. cool yeah all right let's get to our awards uh match of the night steiner benoit yep moment is the closing for me nwo attack yep MVP, I just, I don't know. I, I just want the NWO as a whole again. Like, they just showed up. It was their night. The ending was awesome. It's hard to pinpoint. I guess you could say Hogan, but it's really the whole unit that makes this work. Yeah, I actually thought this was a pretty good team unit. Uh, mm-hmm. At least between the outsiders, Hogan and Giant, they did, they, them four did a good job of uh, showing their worth right. uh, in the NWO. Teddy's uh, still the money man, too, of course. Yes. Any commentary lines that we didn't hit on? I think um got most of them. Oh, uh, Larry, when talking about Elizabeth, who he's really railing against, he uh, said, yeah, same thing Delilah said. Sit right there and to Samson and let me give you a haircut. <laughs> Savage should run for his life. So yeah. um, that was Larry. And then uh, right after the, the uh, Lex Luger, promo that i talked about where his titties were bouncing bobby says left peck right peck who the, <laughs> what the heck who cares so that was a nice little rhyme by bobby all right uh shots fired is this bischoff saying that they're live and not canned like other stuff you see yeah uh, uh debuts jeff jarrett michael winner <laughs> and uh no dropped angles yet we'll follow the teddy long stuff with nick patrick we'll see if that continues uh, and for a final grade, I went seven and a half out of 10. I have it a little bit better than last week. The ending angle was good. We had a lot more development toward Havoc. We had the Steiner Benoit match, which was great. So a strong show. Yeah. Seven out of 10 for me. I mean, I just thought it was a good, good show for sure. Um, a couple of little quirks, um, stuff to kind of, you know, right dig into um but i mean the second hour is pretty damn good like you got the jared debut match which was fun uh you know the the luger orange stuff i mean to me the orange renegade match was surprisingly pretty good and i actually probably like that better than any match overall mm-hmm. um and then luger squash was fine and then yeah a really good match and a great angle to finish so really strong second hour and I think it's just interesting. Like we're bringing up these little nitpicks, but these are the things you look for for the eventual downturn, right? It's like, uh, you know, I, I, I think I remember it was like Scott Keith talked about this stuff, like in 01 WF reviews. And I remember at the time, it's like these little minor things you keep looking over while you're hot or what end up being what makes you not hot right like and i mean he'd call him out like week to week in a one and you kind of wave your hand at it he's like oh whatever everything else is so great it's red hot blah 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 but it was like these little inconsistencies and booking mistakes and a little stuff here and there creeps in and i don't think we're there yet with wcw but it's just something to monitor we're at like the very like little minor things that you could see maybe splintering eventually 
Yeah, I think I think uh, stuff in one's more more gaping, um, and and it's a longer mm-hmm. kind of default until like you can pinpoint a really poor detrimental booking decision, which I yeah. I don't think we'll get to like a really bad boo boo till Hogan versus Sting at Starcade, right. but um, but I little things quite, that that show well, you maybe. He, they're losing their fastball, right? Like little signs. I don't think we're to that point yet. I don't think so. No, I, I, I don't think so either. I don't. I don't think so either. I'm saying we're picking little things, like yeah, nit, I mean, nitpicks, I, to, but they're not. Yeah, like, but we're me, not there I, yet. Yeah, but I disagree with O1 assessment because I just think like O1 WWE has a lot of problems. No, no, um, I'm not comparing that to this. I'm just saying okay. that's the stuff to look for. So like we may get into '97 and say, oh well, they're still red hot, but it's the stuff that was being overlooked as like warning signs. You know what I mean? We're not there yet, but I'm just saying they were like, yeah, time. I mean, I would say like, we're going from, I mean, for me, it's like, all right, from June to fall brawl. And really the episode we did with Marcus, Mm -hmm. that nitro, like you can say like, that's one of the best runs in wrestling history. And like, now we may not be quite at that apex. But we'll see. Uh, but yeah, I mean, seven, seven and a half. They're still strong. I, I almost equate it. And again, like I said, I think it's it's way more spread out. Do they have a downturn? But I, I think if you want to use the WWF, WWE comparison, you can uh, maybe look at something like uh, summer of 2000, maybe better. Because like mm-hmm. the, the, uh, the angle, Triple H angle, angle was uh, really hot. Right. But had kind of minor stuff in the build that just like little ticks that were a little off. And then obviously like the build blow off was disappointing. And from right, there, right. I, I feel like after that, like WWF was never quite as on the upward of the roller coaster as they right. were from that. So, yeah. All right. So our combo awards, uh, best show nitro. Yeah, easily. Best match, Steiner Benoit, pretty easily as easily. well. Easily, yeah. Best segment, NWO Attack. Easily. Uh, better commentary. <laughs> um, I, I don't. I, I didn't mind it on Raw. Like I kind of liked Raw with Jr. the Backlund stuff, and I found Bischoff super annoying tonight. So I would not fret like picking Raw here, but I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I'm going Nitro for me, but. I'll put nitro, but nitro. I'm not I'm not happy about it. Yeah. Uh, star of the night. I, the I, I don't think I don't think the Bischoff. That was really tough on Bischoff. I mean, because if you say like Bischoff sucks, like I mean, so does I mean like Ross. What he's saying, like that leaves nowhere. No, either. I didn't say he sucked. I just didn't. I just thought it was way too over the top tonight. Like I just think it's there's like a line to cross without hammering it home, and I just he like didn't shut up about it that whole match, and it felt like it was like too obvious that it wasn't going to go that way. Mm. I don't know. Uh, it's also counterintuitive if you assume he's in the know. Like, what do they gain by having them think? I don't know. I guess you're playing seeds of doubt, but yeah. it, was just, it was just like two over the top. Uh, star of the night, NWO. Yeah. Okay, and ratings winner, clearly Nitro. Yeah, this was a little bit of a bigger of a gap. Um, so, uh, last week it was 
3.3 to 2.3 is actually Raw's kind of best showing as far as closing the gap is only a one point difference. Right. Nitro's up to 3.5, so they get a little bit of a bump. Raw's a little bit down 2.1. So again, that gap's up to a 1.4 uh, difference between the two. All right, so that'll do it. Uh, we'll be back in two weeks. We will cover the October 14th Raw Nitro. And uh, like I said, we're moving quickly toward the big pay-per-views. This will be our last Raw, our go-home to Buried Alive. And then we'll have uh, another Nitro after this for Halloween Havoc. So we're almost there, finally. That big gap between Fall Ball and Havoc we talked about is a, is a pretty big one. But they filled it well. Like They, they stayed hot. So, um, All right, so we'll talk to you in two weeks. Well, then, hey, Pop.